0: When you are, say, policing language, I, what I like with Frontiers, is you can say, you're not doing politics. And like, you'll like it or you not. You are literally just the it. police. You're just yeah, like, fucking cops. You're, what dude. Dude. you're I, the cops. I thought you were all ACAP.
1: Left of Philosophy. I'm Owen, and here with me today is Gil. Hello. Will. What's up? And Lillian. Hi. Uh, so, for today's episode, we're going to be discussing French philosopher Jacques Ranciere's 1995 book, Disagreement. Ranciere's vast corpus ranges from his early work alongside and later against Louis Althusser to the development of egalitarian pedagogical theory in his book The Ignorant Schoolmaster, to historical and archival work on revolutionary workers' movements in the 19th century, to his interventions in political theory in the 90s, um, and finally to a comprehensive rethinking of aesthetics and its relation to politics. The reason I proposed uh, addressing Disagreement, his core treatise in political theory, is that I thought it might provide, among other things, a helpful framework for a general reflection on equality and uh, the meaning of egalitarian politics. At the heart of Ranciere's political thought is this principle of equality, or sometimes he calls it an axiom of equality. He contends that equality ought not to be conceived as a desired state of affairs or end goal of emancipatory politics, but should instead be understood as its initial assumption, its condition of possibility virtually every social order is predicated on a hierarchical distribution of assigned functions based on the apparently natural suitability of certain classes of people for certain social roles and places. Plato's myth of metallic of the metallic souls that assign everyone to their social position is, but the most exemplary and flagrant necessitation of hierarchical social configurations. For Ranciere, all social orders congeal into naturalized distributions of social lots. And for this reason, they are all iterations of what he calls a police order, which clearly extends beyond the order forcefully imposed by the cops. Opposed to the order of the police is politics, which he defines quite restrictively as the egalitarian confrontation with the police order by those whom it relegates to narrow and subjugated functions. So for this reason, and one of the controversial parts of Ranciere's work is that he claims that politics is actually something that is intermittent. It's quite rare. It has nothing to do with government or the, it's not inherently tied to the institutions that we live under. Uh, It is a rare intermittent, egalitarian process of emancipation. So I definitely want to talk about the politics-police distinction quite a bit, but why don't we start with his way of parsing equality. Um, What do you make of equality as a practical axiom? not as not as a kind of desired state of affairs uh, does it spark concern does it seem too formalistic uh, is it right uh, I, I think we, it's, that might be a good place to start before we jump into the the details of the you know, the police and politics and all that
2: so how does he think about equality sorry if that um like what do you say it's too formalistic what do you mean
1: well he says that it's equality is he means it in a formal sense right and so mm. In order to understand equality, he it's kind of starts from a negative deduction, right? Uh, he says, you know, every claim to justify inequality is inherently bogus, right? And why is it bogus? Because there is no archae, no founding principle of distinction and hierarchy in any society, right? Every society for Rossier is literally anarchic. It, it lacks mm-hmm. a principle that would actually explain a natural order or distribution of functions, social positions, um, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when he says that the principle of equality is formal, it's the, it's the, it's the pointing up, the demonstration is a term he uses a lot. It's the demonstration of basically how bunk these, mm-hmm. ju- these legitimizations and these you know, justifications of, of inequality are, right. It's not material equality is another way of putting it. He's not yeah. speaking about like, you know, he doesn't get into, although he is a Marxist of sorts. Right. But he doesn't actually, when he talks about equality, invoke questions of like material possession or distribution. Right? It's, well, he
3: often is, expi- he often explicitly says that he's talking and thinking about like inequality of intelligences. Like that's one of his like, preferred formulations.
1: Or right. capacities. Right? Or of
3: capacities, right. yeah, of, yeah, of cognitive ability in some way. And so like one of the things that he's, like I think you're right that it's like a negative deduction. I think when you talk about equality in this sense as being a condition for the possibility of politics or any order at all, he means something like when someone in a supposedly dominant position within a hierarchy uh, speaks down to those who are supposed to be lower than them, that speech act of being like, you're below me, you're, you belong down there, actually presupposes this prior equality so that it could be understood in the first place.
1: It, it presupposes yeah. that its intelligibility presupposes equality. Of intelligence, yeah. Yeah,
0: it, I the way that I, I thought about it, um, you know, and I actually found myself, you know, kind of getting into this text because so so some things actually made a lot of sense to me. So in other words, the very act of having to um, discursively justify or even claim, you know, inequality as, as natural, especially trying to discursively justify to those who are one's presumed inferiors, you could only presume they could understand that if you think that they are equal to you in some way. And so, you know, um, the I think the classic example of this is Frederick Douglass's What to the Slave is the Fourth of July, where he's saying, yeah, why would I you pass of all of these um, laws against slaves <laughs> reading or doing right. things unless you presume mm-hmm. that they are the types right. of creatures who can understand these laws and That's the thus be held responsible yeah. for their actions? And so, you know, the, the practical axiom of, of equality seems to be, you know, is saying that, you know, every social order will, you know, can find itself vulnerable. To the fact that it must assume um, this uh, shared space of receptivity and understanding, even when trying to assume that you know this is a space of hierarchy and social differentiation, and that you know this this uh, anarchic uh, reality of politics can always reemerge and challenge you know, the, our distribution of trying to stabilize a social order through these roles and these places.
1: Yeah that's why I think like his work on the history of worker struggles is really important for understanding how this this principle of equality um this principle of equality functions because when he goes into the archives and he looks at you know the 1848 or 1830 in France like these revolutionary moments and he examines what like workers in those movements were doing and saying what you don't find is like people wailing and making noise and saying I'm starving right what you find is actually like well-organized, like, stagings of capacities, of capacities for political organization, capacities for speech, as, you know, he uses the term, like, um, the proofs of the possession of logos and not just or voice, right? Not just screaming out in pain and saying, I'm hungry, I want more. And, you know, resisting this representation of revolutionary struggles by the poor as somehow being, like, just irrational mobs like screaming for a bigger piece of the pie, um, and mm-hmm. so it's not it, so. So it's not only that those that are in positions of domination tend to tell on themselves, like it was what Frederick Douglass, what you were pointing out in the example of Frederick Douglass. They tell on themselves. They admit in a roundabout way that the thing that they're claiming isn't real actually is right. The possession of equal, equality of intelligence, but there's also the this, the proof that goes on in movements and in struggles in which it's. They never, they always have creative ways of staging a set of capacities, of forming citizens' assemblies, of, Ranciere was so interested in the fact that, like, workers in 19th century struggles would, like, put on plays, and they would actually organize, like, theatrical spectacles, and, right. yeah, so it's that mm-hmm. side of it, too.
2: I love that he needs that French philosophers n- need to use ancient Greek and to translate these ideas back into English for us. I find that very helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, really I helps the argument get through. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Honestly. So, um, I actually thought also, along with the Frederick Douglass uh, point, I also thought about some of the feminist arguments against humanism. Like most recently, probably Kate Mann was writing about like, you know, the idea that people are oppressed because you don't, they're not seen as human um, by their oppressors, like seems to miss that like the reason they're subordinated is because they're human and they're like, Hmm. they threaten some kind of like, Uh, interruption or maybe they threaten the possibility of politics and like that makes that makes the idea that like that the logic of the subjugation is that they are not seen as moral equals I suppose that's the point human humanism is trying to make unlikely particularly in a world where like we actually do expressly say that we think other people are, are human and moral equals like you have to kind of like do a lot of somersaulting to say <laughs> that we just don't see each other as human anymore. I mean, I know, like, people make this point all the time, but I just, like, think this is less and less true as time goes on.
3: Yeah, this is interesting. And maybe, like, one of the questions that I always have about Ron is, like, we started out with this concept of equality and another way I think of getting at this same sort of idea is thinking about its relationship to universality because the claim is, right, that there is equality of all intelli- of intelligences full, full stop, like across the board, right? This is in fact a universal sort of claim. And at some point he's describing, who is it, Jean Derouin, the uh, this woman who runs for office in Paris or in France in like the 1840s, when that's not technically legally possible for like woman to, to seek to hold office. And so like this exposes or demonstrates a wrong and demonstrates that the supposed universality of the self-conception of this bourgeois order of liberté, egalité uh, is in fact a, a bloated particular, right? A bloated particularity masking itself as a universality. And this for him is like politics par excellence, like, right? like showing, showing that this uh, supposed universality is not one by means of invoking this more fundamental presupposition of, an, of a universal equality or egalitarianism, right? And this is what he calls like wrong. This is like showing a wrong or a miscount. I don't know, like the thing that always bugs me about, bugged me about Rancière as long as I've read and thought about him is like, this feels right. It all feels correct. But also, like, there's something that I don't know. There's something that rubs me the wrong way about the kind of endlessness of it, that like mm-hmm. every society presumably would do what he calls a miscount, right? That this is uh, this is an unavoidable, an unavoidable state of affairs, and then like politics is just whatever casts light on that, uh, and I guess or like, or yeah. yeah.
1: Or or when the miscount is redressed by what he calls like the, the part of those without a part in mm. the social order. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I have this issue too. I mean, I think the place I think people tend to point to is because when, when the issue of, this eternal back and forth between politics and the police comes up Mm -hmm. uh, is that he says, well, you know, look, it's not like there aren't infinitely preferable police orders, Mm -hmm. right? He says like the, Mm -hmm. a police order in which like you get your eyes gouged out in order to ensure your subjugation is infinitely less preferable to like the police order. Thumbs down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thumbs down. Uh, It's infinite. It's it's infinitely less preferable Mm -hmm. to like the police order we live in, or he says he lives in, in, 1990s uh, France, Mm -hmm. right, in which the forms of subjugation are more subtle, you know, perhaps less extreme and so I, I think I, I have
0: two thoughts, and I'll go with them in, in order because um, I also wanted to pick up the thread of uh, uh, something I heard Lillian bringing up Kate, Kate Man. But first, mm-hmm. you know, so it seems to me that you know when Roncier talks about politics and you know just to like you know, uh, remind yourself, so politics for him is intermittent. He even says you know it's probably rare right, that right. you know it is. Um, it's a it's a, a demonstration. Uh, it seems that you know there's one part where it's a negative demonstration of what calls itself universal is in fact not but you know it doesn't do this in so far as the, the positive element isn't and so here is the new abstract universal in fact right. it is in so far as I am particular in so far as I am woman, uh, proletariat black, slave I, we actually represent the universal mm-hmm. and it seems to mm. me that even in that moment of you know, the part you know, that has no part I believe is his like kind of famous phrase of it, it's not bringing in a settled and and now this is what universality is, and we live in the time of peace. This just you know, inaugurates the contestation again, a new contestation yeah. raises the contestation because you know what I hear is you know and you know uh, uh, maybe we want to talk a bit about the police yet, but maybe we could just talk a bit more about politics. Is there's no overcoming the police? I don't think Rancière thinks that. But the, the what I was hearing, and you, you all pick what you want to respond to. It, so these are just my two thoughts. But with the the Kate Man point, I, I was also hearing, you know, there's some work on dehumanization, you know, that you know, thinks like, well, actually, if you really want to understand what's going on with a uh, dehumanization, it only works as dehumanization if you presume that the other person is, you know, a receptive human creature who could bear, you know, witness to that this mm-hmm. is dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. If they were truly mm-hmm. insensate, if they mm-hmm. were truly irrational, then, you know, you know, they wouldn't even receive this demonstration you're doing of trying to you know, either create misogyny or racism, insert your, your value there. And so, you know, to kind of link these together, it seems like Ranciere thinks that, you know, this is like a constant struggle of trying to disavow the very practical axiom that makes possible mm-hmm. things like, your know, hierarchy or misogyny or racism. And politics is what, you know, reveals that disavowal and you know and and, mm-hmm. and demonstrates it you know you said he you demonstrates but i can see how the aesthetics is here stages a scene of it and doesn't let's get away uh from that disavow
2: i think that's right and i le- i have the same question that gill has though even in response to that like i can see the point here and i it does sound right to me at some level especially the sort of pulling out equality is like the moral and epistemological assumption of inequality and subjection. I like that. I also do think like when you say, well, that like you can't overcome the police because the police is just this like generic name for whatever is not politics. Like
1: I just, social order. order,
2: I guess like I just have my usual question, which is about like, conflating problems. Like, there right. are some... Like, like, are you saying... So if it's, there's no overcoming the police, are you saying that there's no such thing as political legitimacy? Okay, so that's, like, something philosophers would like to know, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> are you saying that there's no such thing as justice? And, and maybe there is. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know his work well enough. And it could be that you're giving, like, just distinctly non-normative descriptions of the police and politics, and therefore... The struggle can be interminable, but it can be better or worse, and maybe we just need other criteria. But I don't know. The police seems like a kind of a laden term to me. And, like, I just think that there's a difference between anticipating conflict in politics and, like, calling the opposite of that a police and, like, not being able to have criteria for either of the things I mentioned. Um, Because you can have a society that is basically – legitimate to, like, I imagine. I don't work on legitimacy, but if you did, could, like, imagine having a society that is basically legitimate by normative standards and to the people who live in it. Okay, and then there's still conflict. Like, you can imagine conflict, social movements, and so on. That doesn't mean that, like, one part of the population is unaccounted for or oppressed. And, like, ideally, you would want to have a society in which people could be in conflict. This is like the idea of democracy, no? So if the point, like, so there's just like a kind of a paradox here that, like, I don't, like, love, even though I kind of buy the initial point. But it's also possible that he, like, solves this problem.
1: Like, I'm I'm basically in agreement with that sentiment, especially the point about restricting. I used to like the like, this whole calling every social order a police order. I think it's kind of sexy. Like, you know, it's a good way to, like, delegitimize social orders in advance. But yeah, I generally am for a more restricted use of it. But I guess the way, one kind of Ranciere-inspired response to your issue would be to say, has there ever been a regime of political legitimacy that didn't render certain classes or modes of participation illegitimate as as one of their, maybe even as one of its conditions of possibility? And Ranciere's question is, is, what do you do? Given that, I think in his view, there's never been a social political order or an order of legitimate authority that hasn't delegitimized and not just excluded, but kind of like rendered has incapacitated a certain segment or a class of people within, you know, in its population. And so maybe it would be more useful to understand politics, not at the level of that legitimacy building, but as what the people that are excluded from conditions of legitimate behavior and political expression, like what they do. That is, I don't know if that's yeah. A um,
0: no, yeah. I mean, like uh, uh, again, I'm also not a Ranciere scholar, but I. It seems to me that if he is right about you know every order being fundamentally anarchic, it seems to me that Ranciere would say that you know there there never is political legitimacy. You know, and I'm um, yeah. There's never political legitimacy for Ranciere, especially because politics or you know the you know, politics not the political um, politics you know emerges sparsely emerges as a challenge to legitimacy and so if you know, if Ruer is right that if you buy legitimacy you understand you know something along the lines of you know some distribution of a social order is you know as such you know um, uncontestable I'm not saying like most philosophers understand legitimacy in this way but he seems to be trying to say something like, every instance of legitimacy is as such contingent and so if you're looking for solid foundations of legitimacy that will carry on um uh for long periods of time you know perhaps you can have that but that doesn't speak to whether they are legitimate as such and so there's that there's an there's an anarchism in Ranciere from mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. that you know every you know moment of legitimacy even if it extends for hundreds of years is just awaiting its eruption of equality <laughs> to challenge that you Know, distribution yeah. of order but you know, yeah you know, and maybe it's not helpful that he uses the term police but you know he does say he wants to try to like you know use this in a neutral um non-pejorative sense and so maybe what he means is something that feels like, like by the way that that feels like a
3: a dance like a you dance think- move to me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, come yeah, on, you, so? you don't <laughs> you don't really not want me to hear the negative connotation to the word police. Get out of here. Come
0: on. He's trying to be a respectable philosopher and be like, yo, He's really like, not. yo
3: don't don't stop reading. <laughs> He's you know? like literally always hated being a respectable philosopher. It's very it's very oh, funny. Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: I mean, I actually like think that that's like might be the only way that he could satisfy like my question. Like if you just fundamentally separate politics from justice, then there's no problem here. I mean, it just, it means that you could have justice and then Mm. politics goes on and that's okay. Then like, you're just talking about democracy. Like people challenge the conditions of Mm. their exclusion. They challenge dominant norms. They engage in politics. Um, But the question, but if like, If the language of the police is normative and so on, then, like, you're talking about injustice. Um, And then I think that there's another way, which is that justice is just not possible. There is no such thing as legitimacy, even a historically contingent kind. Um, And that's just, like, a different vision that I don't love, but it's fine.
1: (laughs) Maybe some context for why maybe he's putting some of these expressions as polemically as he does is... So on the one hand, I think he's really responding to this notion that like politics is everywhere. Because power is everywhere, right? A kind of Foucault. Yeah, this you know, inspired, is a, this Oh, like I like a this good, point. I'm actually with this oh, Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. So Absolutely. power is everywhere, and that whether oh, you know, everything's political. Listen, this morning this I woke up and I made myself a little breakfast tortilla. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything is political, and so And so, like his response to that is that's. Almost, I think there's that explains part of the reason why he wants to so forcefully insist on the rarity of politics, mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm the the profusion of the notion that everything is political, and he says quite clearly, look, it's not that I'm restricting the domain of politics. So many spaces, any space in principle, any place or anything in principle, could be mm-hmm. political if it stages a confrontation between an, an egalitarian, you know, logic and egalitarian practice against one of you know hu- of naturalized hierarchy. But there is nothing in inherently of itself that is political. It's actually like really hard to do politics. Right. It's really rare. It's really hard to, and and I, that just from a general kind of ethos perspective, like that, I love that for me was like an oasis in the desert when I, when I, uh, when I encountered it, um, for the first yeah, time. Cause
2: we all came. I think we all came of philosophical age and, a uh, deeply yeah. everything is political. I think it's like that now still. I was like but I, in a I continental
1: like world where every, you know, every text that I, de- that you deconstruct is, is a, that's a political gesture right? and and, all, and every <laughs> essay that you write is politics and and, and yeah, every you know, so time I'm sorry, you set up I'm an sorry. I, I, I know I your classroom, lot,
2: your syllabi.
1: No, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> this, this your, space your, your, is your politics. Political, yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, I'm just imagining someone, and maybe we should throw this up on the, you know, um, our our uh, official Twitter. I'm just imagining that meme of a man and a woman saying, "I agree, I agree." Who did you not ask? And then having Ron Tier say, "I disagree," and having two <laughs> uh, a man and a woman being like, "Deconstruction is politics. Deconstruction is politics." And like, <laughs> who did you not ask, Ron I disagree. I do not yeah, think so. N- yeah. not, not, no, yeah. no, no, no. Like, but what's also interesting, like what he says here, which is something like I couldn't imagine someone you know, just just saying now. Never mind the whole idea. of Everything you do is politics. Like I also found this actually a breath of fresh air. This idea of like actually no, here are some actually really stringent criteria of what politics would have to effectuate for it to be politics. So you don't get to just lazily be like you. Know, it's politics because I say it's politics. My way of being in the world is politics. He even goes so far <laughs> as to say as you know, a strike isn't I mean, I necessary. See- Speak for politics. yourself. Yeah. 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 Yes. Speak for your, well, yeah. Politics. Some yeah, yeah, have more yeah. have more radical you know experiences and ways of being in the world than us. You know, uh, you know I'm I'm mere Dasein. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've but, always you said know,
3: that about you, Will. You are
2: chilling in imminence,
3: man. All <laughs> when try.
0: people see me walking down the street, they're just like, "There goes Dasein again." Look at that. Just he's in that. its oh. average <laughs> He definitely is there.
3: He's fucking worlding. Yeah, he's worlding, like, he's worlding in real time. He's right there. He's being right there. Oh my but,
1: god. But
0: you know, even the strike for <laughs> stop, him yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> isn't necessarily politics cuz you know, one and you know, I could see how he could draw something like this from Marx where there there are places in Marx where he's like, you know, okay, yes, you know, better wages, that's important, but if you're not touching the the fundamental mm. background mm-hmm. conditions, then you know, you're you're missing the mark. Yo, know, you're, you're moving, yo, know, the, let's put it this way. You're moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. And so, you know, just like, you and there know, are not
2: enough lifeboats on that ship. <laughs> <chair.
0: laughs> no, I can guarantee you there, there's one probably. And it's not for you. Oh, and so sure. I thought that was really interesting that, yo know, yeah. politics makes a particular, um, a demand. And, you know, so maybe, you know, as Lillian was talking, I, was, I started thinking, you know, uh, is there a conception of justice in Ranciere? I'm starting to think that there might not be. Mm-hmm. But bracketing that, this notion that politics is of this really high order of this specific type of activity, that seems like really, really nice to me. And I think, you know, it, it seems nice to me because it says, so... What is politics doing? What confrontation is it staging? You know, what you know, new subjectivities is it bringing in because it's, you know, throwing a light on the social order that we have taken for granted rather than, you know, you just do your everyday thing. And that's politics because, I don't know, you say it's politics.
2: And what's also lit is he does this like without being Hannah Arendt, you know? He's not, like, the political. He's Damn, like
0: next episode's gonna be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be.
3: my Hannah Arendt. Hold, hold on, oh, folks. I forgot, are yeah. we?
2: Somebody yeah, requested yeah, that next on next up is Arendt.
3: Yep, yeah. that's, that's on the docket. It's on the agenda.
2: But yeah, like, she has this, like, but I'll just clarify what I mean by that, so it's not, like, name-dropping. But, like, she has yeah, cool. this way of talking about the political as, like, speech and action with others and, like, ability to, like, like hurt here and be heard, and so on and so forth. And like, like I think it's interesting to set up the problem of a unique qualification for politics without restrict, like without bracketing social questions, because like, that's what she does. She's like political and social are different. Such an amazing claim, but it is what she says, and we can talk about that more next time. Um, and I think, enough. but I think, but like to motivate it, I think most people think that way. That like, you know, if you listen to like mainstream American news, radio, or whatever, they'll be like, don't make that political. Like, why is what you're doing political? It shouldn't be political. This should uh-huh. This should not be, you know, stop bringing politics into this. So, like, people definitely think that, like, politics is something distinct. And I think that Arendt has a particular way of talking about the kind of activity that it is as something distinct. And I happen to think that that's kind of a distinctly conservative way way of thinking about politics. And I feel like what Wansir does that is like helpful is that he makes a carves out a place for like, listen, people, not everything is a political act or problem. Um, mm-hmm. But he also like, isn't bracketing the social yeah, world nice. in that way. And I think nice. that's.
1: Yeah. Nice. Cause for, for Arendt, like the social as a sphere uh, is inherently anti-political. It's based on like a kind yeah. of cyclical temporality and, um, and there's no room for newness and all of that. And Rossier's point is not, he doesn't respond with the opposite claim, right? Which is that, yes, no, 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 the social is inherently political. It's that, no, like, the social is filled with sites of potential politicization. Like, in the factory is a potentially political space. It isn't inherently political, but it can, but it is a site of politicization. The house, right? The, the site of domestic work isn't inherently political, but it can be, like, what's going on? Like, what kind of, you know, what's being organized? Like, may, where are the sites of politics that, are turning or like transforming the domestic space into a site of politics.
3: So I have a couple of things I want to say. One of them is that like, this point that he's responding to the claim that everything is political and politics is everywhere is super helpful for getting a grip on what his intervention is. In fact, I think it's interesting to ask whether he himself is doing something political, and I think the answer has to be no right? Like by the strict terms of his own kind of definition, like his work in political philosophy is not political, actually, I don't think, right? It's not uh, something like this subjectification process in the, in the name of inequality, which is presu- like, it's just not that. So there's an interesting question then about like, what mm. is at stake in his work? Why, you know, what is, what is he doing and why, right? What's, what's at stake in, in this theoretical enterprise? The second thing that I wanted to say is that it does maybe like, you know, as a polemical inversion, you're right that like what he doesn't do is say that the social is all political. But he might the way in which he maybe swings too far going in the other direction is by suggesting that almost everything is the police. Almost everything is policing all the time. And like, again, like he's using it in an extremely unrestricted sense to me, not like literally when like agents of the state who are armed and have... And authority or monopoly on violence. He means things like and distribution, also not necessarily in a material sense, thinking about like how resources are allocated, but things like what gets to appear, what literally at the level of aesthetic, percep- sensible perception, right? Like what, what counts as intelligible, right? What things make sense actually in a very broad way. That's what the object of policing is, right? And so this sort of aesthetic quality of politics is like, as you put it, Will, like staging the appearance manifestation of something that's not supposed to be possible. That's not supposed to make sense in accordance with this order, right? So like someone speaking up and saying, right, Frederick Douglas, right? I, I, I have clearly look at, look at my rationality, look at my linguistic facility, right? Like this is what you say is impossible. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to sort of see if I could get you all to talk more on was like, yeah, what's, it going on? what's going on with this connection to subjectivation, right? Like that it's like a subjective process
1: that politics is supposed to be about. Can I just say something in response to the, the idea of the police being generic? So, I, again, I would ask the question in, in response to this problem, which I do sense myself, and again, I am, you know, I think I, I'm in favor of a more restrictive use of the term police. But I think if you ask yourself what social or institutional spaces in our societies, do not to some extent police, you know, are not to some extent policed by norms of behavior yeah, of yeah, who, yeah, no, who can be in there, what they could, who can be in those institutions, how they're perceived when they're there, when you're in a university, when you're in a courtroom, when you're in the halls of politics, when you're at a workplace. Like there when is. When you're in a union. When you're in a yeah. union. Even. Yeah. The charitable way of, of reading, I think, the generic nature of Rancière's notion of the police is to say that there is a distribution and a capacitation of bodies and, capa- and 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 functions and roles that cuts across every institution from the highest to the lowest of at least our social order i mean sometimes i think it gets a little too transcendental talking about all social orders and the politics and the police sound like a tr- it sounds like a transcendental theory of, of, yeah. of political theory yes i fucking I like rock that. I with think... that though i think
2: that's i think that's a good point um I, and I think that I mean I think that's a substantive point. I would say I think unions are more like the mob. I feel like mob. I think mob is better for Shit. them. Like I keep like I think about. <laughs>
0: Wait, can you say more? I go go on. I think. This is,
2: well, I was just thinking about like uh, I, this is like kind of sideways of. Okay, I'll yes. I have thought about unions as being more like a mob on numerous occasions because, I have tried to, think about like. When people misbehave in strikes or, you know, scabs or even something that doesn't rely on collective action, like that isn't that kind of high stakes moment. Um, If union members did something disrespectful, say they slept with somebody's wife or they said something racist or like something that was like not with the, um, with with what the culture and the union wanted, Mm. The answer is to just, like, take them out back and, like, beat the shit out of them. And then that was the end of that story. And, like, today (laughs) we have these conversations about, like, we have these conversations about norms that are kind of, like, you know, trying to install new policing mechanisms like things you can and can't yeah. say proper etiquette and so yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought it, this is mostly in activist groups. I don't think this is true. in unions, unless they're like a grad student union, but it's like, the worst think, kind of
0: union <laughs> still necessary, but the
2: union I support by the way, but they are the only <laughs> kind of union that's going to have these particular kinds of norms.
3: Theoreticist um, deviations. Yes.
2: Theoreticist <laughs> deviations. yeah. <laughs> but like, I was just thinking about how that does kind of try to like impose a kind of policing you know we always talk about the policing of language and I'm thinking to myself like in some ways I think this is all really overblown like but on the other hand there's something true about it like anyone who's ever been in an uh, an environment like that knows that it is absolutely true everyone's self-censoring and the language policing is a real phenomena mm-hmm. and I'm like how what is an alternative way of dealing with this <laughs> and then I was mm-hmm. like you know how they used to they used to just beat the shit out of you in the back um,
0: we have to go back. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, like, Reject this is kind of modernity. Men-
3: embrace tradition. Yeah. And yeah.
2: I'm me- me- yes, I am. I mentioned this on the on the stream we did with Femi the other day. You know, like, revive the old left man. They had some insights that are worth worth yeah. your time. <laughs> and same thing with scabs. You know, like that was Ooh. a kind of confrontation. That was you know mob justice is what I would describe it as.
0: Okay, so. I am now brought to this point where I am I'm starting to see something actually I will say it deeply unsettling in Roncier's account because you, know, you. Know, I think, Gil, you are right when you called me to to order. You policed me when I was like, "Well, Roncier does say this is a neutral, you know, non-pejorative," and you're like, "I disagree.
1: We're yeah. going
0: to rein that back," and that's unintelligible. I get that, but you know, <laughs> I think you know the way we've been talking about some forms of policing, even if Roncier doesn't mean it, some forms of policing seem to be you know uh, quite useful. So. You're trying to organize something. Let's say we we don't even need to go all quote unquote political to to unions. You're just trying to have a fucking meeting. And, you know, in the middle of that meeting, someone decides to start doing politics and create some new subjectivity and say, you know, what (laughs) we're challenging the bounds of social order. (laughs) And, you know, noise is getting converted into speech and the meeting, the faculty meeting that's supposed to be an hour is two hours now. It's three hours now. You want to be like, get that politics out of here. We're oh, trying to do God. something.
1: Well, maybe and that's th- why there are always are police orders. I mean, maybe that's me. the answer to why for him there's always there a police go. order. Yeah. There, there is no, like, like a world without a police order is a totally incoherent social order, potentially, right? That, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the uncomfortable
0: thing that I, the two yeah, uncomfortable nice. things I wanted to say was, you know, one, if we buy Rontier's distinction between, you know, politics and the police, the two logics that they have, one, when you are, say, policing language, I what I like with La Frontier is you can say, you're not doing politics. And like, you'll like it or you not. You are literally take it or just the, it. It. the police. You're, you're the, the, the fucking cops. is, you're I, the cops. I, I thought you were all a cab, and now, you look, you're the cab. Like, yo, I'm let to tell you. But. Uh, the other unsettling thing is you might think that you know, Ranciere sets up the value term of politics and the value term of police, but it now actually seems like even politics actually is a neutral term and that mm. not every instant of politics is quote unquote good. It can be massively disruptive. It can be um, you know massively incapacitating vis-a-vis a certain goal that you are trying to um, accomplish. And like now I, I'm finding myself drawn back into wait a second so what is justice for Ranciere do we care about justice but I, I want to like throw it on the polemical that I think even politics is not according to his logic whatever Ranciere the man wants it to be is not necessarily good you know it's not necessarily mm. that's great that this happened
3: I don't know okay so first that's really helpful Um, I think first I'm gonna buy your claim that not all policing as such is bad right and certainly not useful to like have politics erupting when you were giving that example before i swear to god i don't know if you guys could see i was like writhing in my seat as someone who has we saw <laughs> oh i was having such a bad time i was having like straight up <laughs> vietnam style acid flashbacks to meetings being Back disrupted to by by self-styled <laughs> radicals who needed to score <laughs> points and i was oh god um uh, anyway um but like yes yeah, so you you know order norms we we might say i think the four of us on this show like yeah actually norms are good in fact sometimes and we like them uh and they're necessary right and if we call that policing okay sure maybe sometimes we got to be the sometimes you got to be the police i guess uh feels bad Ooh, that's here's the, the th- drop quote <laughs> yeah Oof. but okay but here's the thing though like I don't think that I can... So I can get on board with the not all, pol, not all policing necessarily bad, I guess, right? I'm not sure that I can think Ron Sear means that, not, that politics isn't always good. I think he thinks it's always good.
1: I think he uh, personally and, and, does, but I think Will's right that it's not... I don't it's see, hard theoretically. I also don't see in the, theore- in the theory yeah. like, where the normative valorization of it is.
2: And also, when was this book written?
3: 1994. ninety-five. Ninety-five. But wait, no, no, no. Hold on. Chapter two is called Wrong, Okay. Yeah, it's called wrong. Yes,
2: morally okay, wrong, okay. morally
3: oh. wrong, oh. Whoa. normatively Whoa.
1: it is wrong. I hate it, to be this pedantic translator. Give it to me. But the French word is torre, tort. T o r t. Tort. Tort. Right? Yeah. Which is a dispute. It, it also means wrong, dude. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, since like, like, in uh, I mean, there's, there's tort a legal there, there, like tort yeah, law the,
3: is, a is is legal sense is, of injury maybe. It, yeah, it's it's harm or damage. No, tort law is about harm or damage. And what mm-hmm. needs to be rectified in order for the damage to be made right, for the right. wrong to be made right. Okay. This is a, It's a sense of rectificatory justice. And this, I think, is at least implicitly operative in the conception, right, wherein there is a miscount, a disidentity between the way that the police order says that things have to be ordered and the actual people who are. Uh, constitutively excluded from appearing as such within that
1: order. And they name that and they perform it and that is a wrong that they, like this okay, feels one normative. One important clarification though is that by wrong, he doesn't mean the victimization element of it, right? He doesn't no. mean the actual injury. For him, the wrong is actually, it only exists as a wrong when it's polemically constructed yes. in a, a political confrontation, right? It isn't that the thing. So it's after the fact. It is. It's after the fact and it's the it's the result of organization and political construction. It it isn't the original the original harm or something. For him that that's a moral question. There's moral Wait,
2: wrong. Wait, so you can't say something is wrong before it's politicized?
1: No, no, no. There's a moral wrong, let's say, right? Let's say the actual okay. harm or injury that happens to people. But mm-hmm. I think for him that he's trying to distinguish that from political wrong, this like tort, this dispute in which you like it, the wrong is the it only comes to be constituted as a wrong When it's constructed in a political like confrontations. I don't know, it's kind of compl- now I'm trying to no, it seems it. Like like I'm I, confusing myself about it, but yeah. No, yeah, yeah. and I don't want you to because I think you're on my team
0: here and I think this might be <laughs> our first dispute on the podcast, so I'm trying not to lose an ally. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know, I, it seems to me that with politics, you know, what he's trying to say is that, you know, you know, it becomes wrong when it's enunciated in the movement of yes. politics of making the claim that, you know, if you want to like even use like the Memphis sanitation workers strike. I am a man, and mm-hmm. that you. Know, this is when it becomes you know, intelligible and viable. Obviously, we can say the segregation is a moral wrong, but he's at uh, working at this level of abstraction, and so it seems to me that you. Know, he wants to say that this is you know, a-, a fact. That happens, that it is claimed as, as a wrong. I mean, I'm not sure he has the resources to say that, you know, to make a sort of normative judgment that every instance of policy. So let me put it this way. Perhaps we might say that for certain purposes, we need a political order or some social order or something like that needs to have a miscount. Maybe, you know, the miscount isn't a morally wrong thing. It's just, you know, uh, an effect of how it can run well. And so that's why, you know, I was trying to reach for the point of, you know, does he have the resources, even despite his own personal politics, whatever his personal politics may be, to say that every instance of politics is immediately must be good, whatever we mean by good. I think by good mean, like, you know, productive, um, you know, advances something. Um, One could say something like there are instances of politics that are, you know, deeply disruptive. And can introduce you. Uh, maybe he wouldn't use language of regression, but well, a type I, of regression.
1: I think it's maybe helpful to point out there's one place in the chapter that we read where he says specifically when you know that there are better and worse police orders what is a better police order, i.e. a better social and political order? It is the one that has been confronted the most, ruptured the most, like has been in the most conflict, has been hammered with egalitarian emancipatory struggles the most, right? And if you take any country oh, wait, in the world- Oh you're my ally on this? I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, are you sure? Because I think, I think you're, you're, you're killing my point, actually. Well, no, I mean, I don't think so, but so, though, okay, so th- let's go back to the example of The shifting alliances. The, sanita- the, the sanitation workers, right? It might be the case that you can claim rationally that there's a moral wrong, right? In a segregated society, segregated workplaces and the conditions of labor under segregation, right? That it's morally wrong, but it doesn't, there's a descriptive point to be made that it doesn't get registered as a political wrong until it gets politicized in a kind of litigious confrontation with, with the, the order mm. that's keeping them there, right? It, it wasn't until the strike. Until those demonstrations, until other strikes, Mm -hmm. that it actually becomes politically salient as a as a wrong, I guess, versus a moral wrong. Okay, all right. Does that? I don't know. Is that? that, I don't know. I I think we're I think we're back uh, on the same page.
2: Wait, what was the other side to this dispute again?
0: I, so my side of the, of the dispute, you know, as we're <laughs> polemicizing things, is I'm saying, is it the case that, you know, Runtier's theory has the resources to say that every instance of politics, every, you know, um, eruption, every you know creation of, of new subjects or something like that is, without having to look at the context, always good? Mm-hmm. Or is it that it is simply, you know, him saying these, this is a thing that happens. And in some ways, you know, in some instances, it might be what we would call better. In others, it might not. And that's why I kind of use the example mm-hmm. of, you know, you're trying to have a meeting to, you know, organize what you're going to do or to get something done. And then, you know, disruption comes and people are like, let's, you know, um, you know create a, a new order, not even create a new order, just challenge this order. And so I'm wondering, do we have the resources to say that we can say that every eruption, every challenge to an order of policing must be good, or are we simply saying that is a thing that happened?
1: Why don't we hash it up through an example, like the tr- the truckers, this thing that's happening right now, the, the so-called like occupation I of... I was wondering uh, if this was going to oh happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I mean, go. that that is one place to hash it up. There are ways in which I can see elements of what Rossier describes as politics. Yeah. You know, he often rails against... The restriction of the political sphere of participation to those Mm. who are experts, and so like yeah, you have like you know a resistance to uh, expertise. On the other hand, and you have also by the way a kind of staging and all these different. I don't I don't know if the bouncy gym counts as staging, but whatever. There's there's there are all kinds of things happening in there that are not just don't just take the form of demands, but at the same time like here's one way to. Certainly, say that it is not politics for Ranciere. Is that the people that are the subject that it that it is bringing into existence, or that it is manifesting, is not like a part of those without part, a miscounted part of the populace. I mean, by and large, it's owner operators of trucking companies, right? That are that are the initiators. Well, of, quite a uh, quite a significant. See, okay, part okay, this
2: is why. I, okay, this is why I don't. Okay, now I'm. So I don't know what to make of the truckers, but I do think that like saying that politics are only politics when people who are excluded or unequal do shit is just not true. Like I don't – like tell me if it It doesn't have to
1: that. be that without – you could say do they – are they presenting an egalitarian logic or is there – or is it – you know what I mean? Like would you agree that well, politics that <laughs> is inherently okay. an egalitarian enterprise?
2: That's what I'm saying is like why does he think that? Like – when and then I just feel like this is very if I do say so myself, not like the most Marxist way of going about the situation. So like you know, when people organize the business round table or the manufacturers association and they're like, We are gonna suppress poor people and the people who work for us as much as humanly possible. Yeah, this police is our them. goal. We're gonna police the shit out of them. But we're like, it's not no no, you see that's like you're, I just feel like that's shifting around definitions to kind of suit the conflict. Like, because they're doing it, it's the police, and because and if it's not them, and it's politics, if the oppressed do it. And, like, I don't know. Like, you have to have a way of making sense of the other side of the story, um,
1: mm.
2: like, in a way that isn't just... Yeah, he doesn't have like, a good theory of, like,
1: reactionary social movements. Oh. Yeah,
2: or just, like, conflict, like... What is the other side interest. of the conflict like, doing? Or They're in interest, yeah. and even in the absence of like strong oppositional movements, like securing interest, and like I don't know, like for lack of it. So I don't know. I was watching Babylon Berlin some months ago, that TV show, and it just struck me that you know you've got this crazy situation in Weimar Germany where like the communists are being slaughtered, you know, on May Day by the SPD and you know the the Nazis are all like running amok in their youth associations, and they're doing all this stuff, and they're organizing themselves behind the scenes, and just to like look at the terrain and be like, yes, the communists are doing politics, and the Nazis mm-hmm. are not doing politics. Seems like not true to me. Um, and like I, I, yeah. I, I spontaneously I don't know. agree with
1: that. I yeah. I'm not saying
2: no. Yeah. I'm just saying it's counterintuitive to me. That's all.
3: Yeah. Well, one of the things that maybe this is actually now that we're deep in this conversation, you know what I'm I'm getting reminded of? Uh, Long time listeners will remember our third ever episode on Laclau and Moof. And I'm having sort of flashbacks again to that. Uh, you're all looking at me like, You look all very upset. I'm very sorry. Owen is not
2: liking that. (laughs) He's like, you're degrading this. Don't do it.
3: But here's why. How dare you even invoke those names? Here's why. Here's why. Like one of the things that um, I feel there's like a real resonance or affinity of, uh, like their whole claim in the uh, Hegemony and Socialist Strategy book is that there is not a pre-existing subject of socialist politics right, called something like the the working class or the proletariat or the party, right? There is not one. It's only in and through political activity and organization that something like the subject of politics comes to be, right? It doesn't pre-exist its enunciation or staging. And that's kind They're of what
1: hostile it, to the notion that the working class does politics, though. Listen, right? I know that. I, 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 we, we're, we, we're, we, we're, we all- Rossier's examples are all examples of proles. I completely agree. I completely
3: agree. But we do have, and I think this maybe gets at like, you know, maybe the basis of the problem that I think I, I'm totally on Lillian's team with and feeling nervous about some of what's going on here. Um, you know, we get claims like, you know, there isn't there isn't something like he says explicitly, like I know, right? He's like, I'm down with the working class, baby. I love it. I love it when Blanqui is in court and they go, what's your profession? And he says proletarian and Ron Sear's like tight. I love that shit, right? It's cool. It's good. Um, but he also says things like that there is no such thing as the proletariat before its announcement of itself. Like as a subject, as these, like there are no parties, like there's an explicit line. Um, there's no such thing as a party. Parties do not exist prior to the declaration of or, of wrong. Right? They don't. And so before we said, Will was talking about it, right? There's no, uh, you were talking about it with Will. There's no wrong prior to its declaration. There's also no party. Uh, there's no interest. There's no constitution of a class or interest until it's until this process of subjectivation takes place so it says you know as rare as politics are that's as rare as subjects are right subjects don't Mm -hmm. exist for the most part either but i feel like with lillian i don't know i feel like we could talk about there being different classes (laughs) prior to the trolls standing up and saying we want not to be poor you know what i mean i don't know
2: in itself, for itself, baby, that's what we're about.
0: We we, we love it, but you because I'm like yo know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a dog with a goddamn bone here though.
1: I am All more and more
0: us. convinced that I am right <laughs> because, you know, I think with, you know, again, you, you, I, <laughs> you know, there's Rontier's examples <laughs> and, go. you know, clearly his intuitions, but, you know, this notion that, you know, the, the wrong becomes, you know, uh, enunciating the subjectivization. You know, one could say, you know, either for using the uh, example of Nazis or using the example of white supremacists, when you know, white supremacists stage this idea of you know, white genocide is happening, we are now the excluded. You know that you know that is a moment of bringing in a a you know um, a new subject of saying you know we stand for a universal subject that ought to be, and of course this universal subject has you know um, uh, delimitations, but of course it does on Ranciere's account because you know the announcement of the universal. You know, the particular saying, I stand for the universal. So that's mm-hmm. not a problem. And what, you know, I it would just be pure caprice to say, well, that's not politics because we don't like that thing. That has do to you be know,
1: the No, no.
3: Okay. And I do think that, like, this is an empirical. I think that at this point, at this point in the analysis, we have to, like, get to the empirical, right? And say, like, is it true that there are a part that has no part? In fact, given this ordering, this police ordering, this social world that we live in, is it true that they are speaking as uh, the excluded part that has no part? Uh, they are saying that they're doing that, and I think empirically that, that that is false, and Ron Sear would say this. I don't know if you agree, Owen. So,
1: I mean, I think, let's go back to the example of the proletariat. I mean, no. I think from the perspective of the police order, with the example he gives of Blanqui invoking the proletariat as a collective entity that he belongs to, right? Which is in that context, right, you you have a police order, an existing a reigning social and economic and political order um, in which that only acknowledges like individual workers. It doesn't acknowledge the existence of a block called the proletariat who, because if you the minute you acknowledge that, then you are in a totally different political game, a, a totally different political contestation versus if you have an individual. So it is, so one of his, his claim is that like it, the proletariat only gets constituted as a political actor called the proletariat that actually, you know, enters the scene as, you know, as a, as a player on the political stage at the moment of its like litigious constitution in, in its struggle for emancipation, right? It's, it isn't, it, as just a social category, that's easy. Like the police order can always deal with social categories. It's happy to do with that. It's happy with those kind of categorizations of like, you know, uh, ethnicity and religion or whatever. Like you break things down, you're an individual member of this passive group. But there's a difference between a passive categorization and an active group, and an active group agency or group constitution. And I think that again, I know that like you're not wrong, and I'm really trying to like get into the details of how he puts things in order to to pull out why I think it's maybe more legit than you're giving it credit for. But I do think that 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 there's a difference between the proletariat as a as an economic class and and the proletariat as a politically constituted like agent and he's interested in that process of constitution how does that happen what are the gestures that 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 throw themselves onto the stage of politics rather than just being passive recipients of social reality
2: okay but then does that mean that you kind of agree that like politics can happen if it's not in fact the marg- the excluded like the unmiscounted that are doing yeah that's it?
1: what i'm trying to get clear so on so i do agree with that i so i do agree with that and i don't know how to square with that my, the fact that i yeah that I that I generally agree with this constitution. Well, I guess like you could look, if you take That's the, all I was looking for. So Yeah, yeah. agreement. We got we got agreement. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
3: Pack yeah. It thank God. Up, okay. yeah. Okay. We did spend an hour talking about a book called Disagreement and I think we <laughs> 100% no, I'm sorry. come to a we've come to a up. consensus. No politics has occurred. <laughs> the police <laughs> nope.
0: have returned. We yeah,
3: we're all policing yes. each other all four of us. <laughs> have you guys yep. read
2: that um there's an article that's been circulating that Anton Yeager wrote. That's pretty good about hyperpolitics. Every why everything now is political.
0: Oh no! <laughs> but
2: hyperpolitics.
0: Can you uh, send that to the um, group chat? No. I saw. Yeah, it share around, that around.
2: I actually think it's relevant. I'm raising it because I think it's relevant. He's talking about how, like, if you recall, and so many eons ago, in the 2000s, it was like the conversation was about apathy. Like people are not political. It was like post politics. Oh, nice. Now right. it feels like everything oh, is political. Literally Imagine if everything. That
3: was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so far but away like, from us. Yeah. But literally
2: everything now is political uh, and he calls it like hyper politics. Nice. Um mm-hmm. and tries to diagnose some reasons why. Like it feels like everything is political but nothing is changing, which is a pretty interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and like I feel like every just to like kind of give some contemporary relevance to this sort of uh reasons to delimit what is political, whatever one chooses to However, one chooses to carve it up. Like, I actually am, have been re-motivated to think that there's always going to be an unsatisfactory. Like, whatever analysis I come up with with what is political and what's not is probably not going to be satisfying to anyone but me. But I do think there's a reason to try to try it out, you know, because mm-hmm. like the idea, the mantra that like the personal is political or the, everything is political is tiresome and not necessarily solving <laughs> our problems. So like, I don't know. It, I just think uh, I mean, it's, it's, like it's a dope, it's another, a dope question it's become to become try, police try to
1: <laughs> like posting is political. I think you know that that's the unstated the posting is political. Posting is political. <laughs> is the, yeah,
3: I feel like I should say because I've been very sort of. Um, demanding and i've always had a sort of on and off again relationship with roncier and i'm nervous about the conceptions or whatever it's a bit also, of willie
1: won't will they won't they yeah
3: it's a real will they won't they We're like, am i am i going to kiss him on the <laughs> mouth we don't know maybe you know it's not but i i do want to i do want to say that like i i i like him i like it a lot like i am i am very on board especially with the sentiment the feeling like his spontaneous sorts of affinities i i don't I don't hate it nearly as much as I hate the Chancel move stuff, right? But but I just do think that there are like problems. I have no. I have worries, but I'm mostly I'm mostly down. And again, every one of his examples is fucking sick, and I love his archival yeah. work.
1: I I, I really want to square what like your point, Lillian, that like the, the situation you described in Weimar Germany of all this different play of political forces that those different group formations like our politics, I believe that, and I want to square that with Ranciere's. You know, insistence that politics takes this very restrictive shape, and I think one way to do that is to say everything I just said about how a group of people who are a kind of social category politicize themselves and form a collective block. Like that's a necessary part of politics for Ancier, political subjectification, mm-hmm. and that it's it's but it's only like left politics, and here's the here the normative element might sneak in, right? It's only left politics, it's only liberatory politics or emancipatory when that group consolidation happens on egal- on, with the principle of equality undergirding it, whether yeah. it's stated or unstated, right? There are many different political group formations and modes of political group formation. But if they don't have an egalitarian foundation, if they aren't founded on, on a principle or a commitment to equality and a principle of equality, then they are, who cares whether we call them, political or not, here's where I leave her else here. Like, they're different in some salient way. Um, and, and, and we should be able to mark that difference, you know? Does that okay. make sense? I
2: mean, I feel like it could be that, like, I, I like that. I think that there's a, that is a way of creating the con- consistency, and it could be that what he's saying is that there's like reactionary politics and emancipatory politics, and that's what you're trying to figure out. But I think my problem, it's like if you frame it that way, I like that, but he doesn't frame it that way, and that's like, what <laughs> what
3: like yes, thought. yes, thank you. Like that We're is like that, what I'm. We are saving that's him like from that, himself. I,
2: I feel like you've done, like, you've given him a leg up, but I'm not sure that's what he actually said. Oh. And I wonder if it's like, okay, you're writing in the 90s. You might not have thought reactionary politics would have their moment mm-hmm. once more in the same way. I just I just wonder mm, if that, yeah. like, you might not have had that on the brain, You've but you might have been thinking instead about the apathy I mentioned and, like, the way people don't mm-hmm. have an understanding of what politics entails, and that's what you're primarily worried about, and therefore you frame it in the way that he does.
1: Yeah, I think that his paradigmatic, like, you know, he's writing from a moment of, like, enormous stability in the field of political forces, right, in 1995 and in, in Western Europe. And I think that the para- it seems to me, I think others have said this, that the paradigmatic example of him, he's looking around for, like, a contemporary example of... A kind of emancipatory politics or the kind of like political subjectification that he's talking about. And the example he comes back to and that is often associated with him is the example of like the sans-papier um, undocumented uh, mm-hmm. undocumented yes. workers in, uh, in France and their like attempts to like see, to theatrically seize the citizenship they don't have. Like to, their very their various different modes of political presentation and organization, like that seems paradigmatic for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think whether he's aware of it or not, it kind of – this is where I have an issue with the transcendentalization of like where, where I think he wants to make a tra- – he wants to look at a, a certain set of historical examples in his own contemporary moment and then establish a transcendental theory of politics, right? This like, is politics. Like this is what the condition of, politi- of the existence of politics is and this is what its opposite is and that kind of tracks across all social orders. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that might be one historical explanation for why. Um, and that's not – yeah to egalitarianism. No. Oh, and this is That's always cool.
0: what you're so great about because I, I feel like you, oh, know, and you've constantly been saddled with giving us the, the figures that we, we go at the hardest. And you're like, you know, I'm going to give the old college <laughs> well, try. Well, because Whether the French. it's,
1: Foucault, yeah, it's yeah, Because it's I've French come dudes. up in the French scene, man. Yes. Yeah, so, I right. know There's yeah, some yeah, hostility a, to. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and I also do want to say that I feel like you did a great job. You've now assuaged my concerns as well. And, oh, thank you. you okay. Know, Let's and go. you've done that by saying that <laughs> I was right. And I think that that was great of you you. That felt like politics. Okay. Well, I still comrade. maintain for
1: all of their for all of their faults, Rancière, Badiou, and Ballybar, who I have t- who I kind of all discovered at the same time, have been on the whole a real force for good in French philosophy. That's <laughs> and pushing not wrong. back. That's definitely right. I think pushing back against the obscurantism, against the like wholesale rejection of universality, the wholesale rejection of like truth, the oh, wholesale true. rejection of political true, subjectivity. Like they have been, I think, like a uh, in the '90s they did a massive service I think to um, to political theory especially on the continent I buy that I agree All right. well on that point of agreement I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up for today Um, new episodes of What's Left of Philosophy come out every two weeks wherever you get your podcasts also check us out on YouTube for videos and live streams before closing out today we'd like to take a minute to thank some of the people who are supporting the show on Patreon we wouldn't do this uh, we wouldn't be able to do this without you and we're really grateful so today's new patrons are melanie brusler jules galbraith gavin redding ren christensen fletcher Calkenio, david griscom hey david <laughs> will Tw- twiner uh, mary sanazero dexter nandan manny ratnam dan Pittman, caroline grant divya siddharth kenneth mckee PJ Shoemaker, Gabe McMahon, Devin C. Hobdi, uh, Luke Fiddler, Steven Lazaro, Daniel Ucko. Thank you all very much. If you too like what we're doing and want to support the show, please subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com/slash left of Philosophy. Patrons get access to exclusive content like locked episodes and bonus videos. Follow us on Twitter at Leftofphil. And don't forget to leave us good reviews and comments on your podcast app, Super Key. Uh, With that, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
2: Bye, everyone. Take care,
1: everyone. Bye, thanks.